our Father in heaven. Thank you for being here with us. I pray, Lord, that your presence would be here in a way that would draw us to you. Lord, I pray that your angels might be here encouraging and strengthening us as we spend this time together. We won't really understand until the days of eternity how important it is for us to come together like this. I believe there will be a time where we'll look back and we're in times of trial and these moments together will be a strength for us. So we remember the discussions and the, the times to pray together. But Lord, I pray not only for the times to come, but I pray for a present blessing this morning. Lord, we seek that from heaven. And I pray that you would speak through me, Lord. I, I feel so unqualified to speak of such wonders and of such a blessing that heaven has given. So Lord, I ask that you would speak through me and that it would be a blessing. It would be a help to us in our journey this side of heaven. So Father, I thank you and I ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> thank you so much. So yesterday we looked at part one, Life of Power, and looking at the life of Christ, how even Jesus, as he walked this earth, found power and strength in prayer. Today we're going to be more practical and lay the foundation that we're going to actually do an example here together, and then talk about some helpful things as you're building that time. Then again, tomorrow we'll be looking at making prayer work, and how we can, uh, sounds, I don't want to sound wrong, but how we can help the Lord answer our prayers. And then on Thursday, we'll be looking at fervent prayer, how to really move the arm of the Almighty. So, but today, time to pray. Now, if you said that, you could take it one of two ways. It's time to pray, and the other is we need time to pray. I love this quote here, Review and Herald, October 20, 1896, the greatest blessing that God can give to man is the spirit of earnest prayer. Isn't that incredible? That of all the things that God could give, one of the greatest blessings is that He would give us a spirit of earnest prayer. And we come to our prayer time and we pray the Spirit of God comes upon us and when the Spirit of God comes upon us, you know what the Spirit of Prophecy says? Every other blessing comes in His train. 
Isn't that incredible? So when God gives us the spirit of earnest prayer and we take that time, we set it apart. Every blessing of heaven is at our fingertips. What is that in Steps to Christ where the uh, prayer is the key in the hand of faith? That does what? Unlocks what? Anyone know what says it? What it says after that? Where are treasured the boundless resources of omnipotence? What does omnipotence mean? All powerful. So that prayer is the key in the hand of faith that unlocks that. That is in steps to Christ. I'll have to look it up. Um, I'll have to look it up. Is it 72 or 94? There's, there's two in there that I really like. But, I mean, it's incredible that when God gives us that spirit of earnest prayer, He's really given us the key that unlocks the storehouse of heaven where our treasured I mean, the treasures that God has for us. Now, you know the Lord's phone number, right? (laughs) It's in Jeremiah. It's the Lord's phone number if you didn't know it. (laughs) Jeremiah 33. That's God's phone number. Jeremiah 33.3. He says, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Isn't that incredible? So God gives the spirit of earnest prayer. And as we meet him, he gives that key that unlocks the, the storehouse of heaven where treasured the boundless resources of omnipotence. We call to him, he hears us, and he tells us, he shows us things that we could not know unless we had met him. I believe that is God's promise to us each and every single day when we meet him. We set that time with God, we go and meet him. He is going to give us a treasure that day, and we may not even understand why we need such a treasure that day, but as you go through the day, it'll become evident. And as we finish today, you'll see how we can mine those treasures that God wants to give to us. Psalm 63, 1. I love the whole Psalm of 63. You know, I just appreciate so much. You know, I I like, let me say it this way. I don't like facade. I don't like show. (laughs) If someone's going to talk, just be real with me. I mean, I I don't have time for the beating around the bush or those things. And that's what I love about David. I love about the, the Psalms in, in their entirety. I just love the rawness of it. Just the earnestness of it. 
O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. You know, that's not something that's natural for us. That's not something that's natural. Our hearts are bent towards worldly things. Our characters are bent. But as we take that time with the Lord, He straightens them out. You know, I did a study once in Scripture about you know, the, the crooked versus the straight. And crooked really, in Scripture, it's really talking about perversity. How God has everything that is pure and holy and straight. And the devil comes and he bends it and perverts it. We have a perverted character in that sense that we don't naturally seek after. But the Lord can give us that where our heart thrills at being with him. Where we long to be in his presence. And that reminds me of this psalm. This is another one in Psalm uh, 16. I mean, these are treasures right here. I love this. Psalm 16.11. I mean, the whole psalm is fantastic. But 16.11, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is what? Fullness of joy. You want to be a happy person? <laughs> you want to have a joy of God in your heart? What, what, what does the psalm say? It's in his presence. You will find a joy in the presence of God. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Amen. I'm telling you, the Lord has so much that he wants to give us. Well, we can, we can walk in the clouds with him. I mean, he can rise us above the difficulty and the pain and the heartache of this world. That's why the Apostle Paul appeals to us that if we've been raised with Christ, we're supposed to set our mind on things above where Christ is. He draws us. That's why when we come to the time of prayer, it's not that God comes down to us, but what? Prayer draws us up to Him. I mean, you should say hallelujah. Ah. <laughs> oh. We need to get excited about these Amen. things. Yes. I mean, what the Lord has for us. But our souls should thirst for Him. My flesh longs for you. What does the Bible talk about flesh? There, there is that earthly, carnal nature that desires the things of this world but here, David is saying, my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. That's what God wants for us. He does not want us to, to be in the place where, you know, it's drudgery to come to him in that time of prayer. Now, I mentioned yesterday, sometimes, you know, <laughs> I wake up and I don't, I don't feel like that time of prayer. I'm just being honest. I mean, it is a chore sometimes to make it there. 
But I'll tell you, I make it there and I find my joy. I find my pleasure. And that's all I need. I don't, I don't need anything else. It does. It cha- she said it changes the whole day. And God can transform us. But it takes time to develop habit. So I don't want you to be discouraged. I don't want you to, to launch out on a journey and, and expect some f- ecstasy of feeling. Because we don't walk by feeling. We walk by faith. And so, you know, we may not feel like in his presence is going to be the fullness of joy. But by faith, we claim it and we come in there and we discover that it is indeed the truth of God. In your presence is fullness of joy. Not just joy. The fullness of it. Don't you want to be happy? I mean, (laughs) I say this all the time, but we should be glad Ventists. We should train ourselves to be the happiest people on the face of the earth. You know, I remember early on, I, I trained myself to have a smile on my face. Lord, I may never even be able to say a word to someone. But I want them to see that if they wanted to come, they, they wouldn't think that I'm, I'm unapproachable. No, I, I, want, I want it to not just be fake either. I want it to be real. I want to be a happy person. Yes. That doesn't mean that I don't have trial. I've seen some wonderfully happy people, but I know their story behind. And I know they have pain and, and trial and struggle. But they find in the presence of the Lord joy. Joy is not based on circumstance. It's based on the presence of the Lord being with us. Do you want your soul to thirst? Do you want your flesh to long? Amen. Thank you. Think. Like this morning's sunrise. The Great Controversy, page 210. From the secret place of prayer came the power that shook the world in the Great Reformation. How I long for that power to shake us again. I, I long, I don't know if I want more, well, If revival means winning souls, yes. (laughs) But how we must have that. In the Reformation, you see it. I'm going to talk a little bit about this this morning. You see these, these great men of God seeking Him. And the Lord directs their paths. They, they are not, they were not ready to carry the burden that was going to be laid upon them. But as they sought the Lord, they were compelled, they were drawn, they were driven. And it transformed not only their lives, but it transformed the world as we know it. 
I mean, that is a profound statement from the secret place of prayer. What does secret place mean? They went to a place where no one knew. They were hidden with God. And in that place came a power that shook the world. I mean, I thought you'd be falling on the floor after that. <laughs> I mean, does that not blow your mind? That, that from that seemingly hidden thing came a power that shook the world. This is, and have you ever heard of a little village called Hernhut? There, there were some faithful believers. They were, they were coming out of the false traditions and teachings of the Roman church. They were being persecuted for it. They were being persecuted on, on many fronts. But they came and they were seeking asylum. They were fleeing. And they came to a rich nobleman's uh, land by the name of Zinzendorf. And he helped them have a place of refuge. And they established a little village called Hernhut. And in this place, as people heard, they started coming there as a place of refuge. But it was an unusual place because there was so much bickering and fighting and turmoil for year after year. I think it was something like five years. I mean, these were people that were trying to follow the truth of God. Their consciences were bound to the scriptures, and yet there was strife, there was discord, and all of this among them. And then you see this here. They came together and they started to pray. And something started to happen. I mean, almost immediately, a different spirit came upon that village. And people began, began to flock to this village because they sensed that the presence of God was there. And they began to pray. And it was, I think it was August 27 or something like that. I have to go look up the date. But this was in the early 1700s. But what they did was they came together and they realized that they saw what prayer was doing for them. And they said, we cannot afford not to have prayer going on continuously. So they gathered together. They came and they chose 24 men, 24 women. And they began a, a round-the-clock time of prayer. Each group taking an hour of prayer. How long do you think that might have lasted? It went more than a week. It wasn't just a week of prayer. It went more than a month. It went more than a year. Around the clock, praying. As they were doing this, God began to put a power within them. He began to direct them. They started calling people together and they started thinking, we have to start reaching the world with the truth of God. Now, 
Just a little background even before that, it really came out of the, the movement of a man named Jan Hus, John Hus. Many, many years before his teachings, and, and then you have the Hussite movement, and then this movement came out of this, and it kept going. I'm telling you, when, when you trace these things, there is a, a royal line of God's people that are constrained to the Scriptures. But if you pull that away from prayer, you can have the knowledge of the truth without the fruit of the truth. But as they began to pray, they were moved by it. And they began praying hour after hour after hour, one week, one month, one year, one decade, two decades, three decades, four decades, half a century, 60 years. 70 years, 80 years, 90 years, 100 years. They prayed around the clock for 100 years. Is that not incredible? 100 years. In that time, they begin to send missionaries. They began to see the gospel break through in ways. And I don't think that we'll ever be able to fully understand until we get to heaven the strength and power that came out of those prayers. I believe those prayers not only helped their movement, but helped with the first great religious awakening that broke across Europe. It reached not only Europe, it came into the Americas with the Wesley brothers. They were here for a little bit of time. And then the, the great preacher, George Whitfield. I mean, it's just incredible. And I believe that this was stemming from a people who came together and said, we must set time apart to pray. Time apart to pray. We need time to pray. 100-year prayer meeting. You know what? I put... The Lord put this on my heart for next year's camp meeting. I thought, Lord, our camp meeting just can't be seven to seven. We have to organize and have prayer around the clock. I mean, this chapel should be filled with people praying for the Spirit of God to be here around the clock at camp meeting. But then I'm thinking, oh, it's so hard to find people to pray. <laughs> but, I, but the Lord say, no, I have people that are willing to pick up that cross and pray. So, okay, Lord, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. If I'm the only one here, we're going to do it. If you want to help, I, I want you to let me know because I, I'm serious. I want to organize that. Round the clock, taking hour shifts, pleading for God to move. I think that if we began to do that kind of work, we would see wonders. Maybe the Lord even put it in our heart not to just do it at camp meeting, but year round. I mean, 
could God not move in a powerful way? I mean, I, I just love that. God is going to do something. We cannot expect that we're going to have revival unless there's prayer. Ellen White says it. That we can only expect revival in answer to prayer. We have to do this. We have to make time to pray. But I'm telling you, and we're going to spend some more time on this tomorrow, making prayer work. If we don't have time in secret prayer, don't think your prayers are going to be effective in public prayer. Don't don't think that you can go and tell someone, I'm going to pray for you. And think that those prayers are going to be effective unless you have a life of prayer. Now, I'm not saying that God does that. God answers the sincere prayer of the heart. What I mean is that that we so often just flippantly tell people, oh yeah, we're going to pray for you. We may think, Lord, please help them. And then go on with our life. If you want to see answers to prayer, if you want to see the power of prayer, have a life of prayer. And God is going to begin showing you that He can move the events of this world. I'll show you that tomorrow. This is, uh, anyone know who that is? Martin Luther. No, Martin Luther said when he was going through trial, he could not face the day unless he had spent three hours in prayer. He said he was, he was a, he had a sharp mind. I mean, Luther was my major reformer that I studied going through the seminar. I just was fascinated by him. Yeah, he had some rough edges. I know, I know that. And it's hard for me to find a, a picture because, you know, his portrait, he looks like a gruff old man. <laughs> but he was a man of God. He was an intellectual, and yet he said, I must spend these three hours. He gave his best three hours to prayer rather than to study. Do you know how hard that is even for pastors? You know, when you're preparing a sermon or that kind of thing, you think, oh, I've got to prepare. There came a point in my ministry where I said, Lord, if I'm going to spend this much time preparing, I need to spend the equal amount of time praying. And as I did that, I found I didn't need as much time preparing. (laughs) I didn't need it as much. Now I need a time to prepare, <laughs> and some weeks more than others. But Luther, three hours in prayer. Who is this one? John Wesley. Turned the world upside down in England. I mean, the greatest revival that that country has seen. I mean, just a powerful Man, every day he would get up at 4 a.m. and spend two hours in prayer. His, he, sometimes he would spend 8 o'clock in the morning, four hours in prayer. But the reason why he usually would stop at 6 o'clock, do you know why? He'd go preach at a prayer meeting at 6 a.m. <laughs> so 
people would be gathering to prayer before they would begin the day's work. And so he would go to meet them and help lead in that time of prayer. But he recognized the time of prayer. The reason I'm showing this is because Ellen White said it was from the secret place of prayer that God was able to shake the world in the Great Reformation. You see that with Martin Luther. You see that with John Wesley. This is um, John Welsh. What's, what, what's interesting about John Welsh, he was a uh, uh, preacher in Scotland, is that he was married to a very famous man's daughter. Anyone know? Anyone, have you heard of John Welsh? No. I'll, maybe I'll have to tell a little more of a story tomorrow, but John Welsh was, uh, was it's a powerful man of prayer. This is a man who, as he was in time of prayer, God would reveal to him things that were to come. I mean, there were times where he was in prayer where the Lord was preparing him for what was coming upon the nations of Europe. I mean, it's fascinating as you read his story. But in the times of prayer, he was just so burdened. This is a man who said his day was wasted if he did not spend seven or eight hours in prayer. And don't think that because they spent such time in prayer that their lives were unproductive. It's just that they crowded the world out and they made time for the Lord and His work. He was married to John Knox's daughter. Yeah. That was, that was, the devil must have been frightened at that. Uh, if you don't know John Knox's, you have to go and read his story. But powerful men of prayer. And so, don't neglect to take time in prayer. That's what Ellen White says. Testimonies for the Church, Volume 7, 194. Every morning, take time to begin your work with prayer. Do not think this is what? Wasted time. It is time that will live through eternal ages. I'll tell you, I think the greatest hindrance to us to come to the time of prayer is that we think it is wasted time. We think it's wasted time. We think, I have so much to do. I have all these other things that are so important. And if I take this time in prayer, I'm going to waste time. The prophet says, don't think that this is wasted time. It will last throughout eternity. Need to go back a second. And if you want, I'm happy to let you come and get it afterwards too. Great Controversy, page 622. Angels record every prayer that is earnest and sincere. We should rather dispense with selfish gratifications than neglect communion with God. I've heard so many times people will tell me, I just am so busy, I don't have time to set aside time for prayer. Well, we sure set aside time for other things. Everybody has 24 hours in a day. No more, no less. 
And we choose how to manage ourselves in that time. It would be better to dispense with selfish gratifications than neglect communion with God. So what could some of those selfish gratifications be? Yeah, right? You have to watch the Weather Channel. <laughs> I mean, there have been times where I've just been so rebuked. You know, I, oh, you know, I love to study. And so, you know, I'll, you know, I'll be studying. I'll say, oh, I, I want to search this out. And I'll, I'll Google something, and then it takes me here and takes me there and takes me there. I think, Lord, what am I doing? I don't have time to do this. I don't want to chase rabbits. I'm not saying there's not a time to study and research. But I don't want to do that at the expense of this. The angels are recording it. They're watching it. There's a book of remembrance. The deepest poverty, the greatest self-denial with his approval is better than riches, honors, ease, and friendship without it. Nothing is worth taking time from us and God to give time with us and something else. If we're going to rob God, nothing else is going to fill that void. We must take time to pray, she says. We must take time to pray. Okay, I've got to speed up here. Psalm 5. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditations. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For to you will I pray. When is a good time to pray? My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct it to you and will look up. The morning is such a needful time. I know some aren't morning people. I'm going to give you a couple of helps here. When I won't say that I'm a morning person, but I may be more of a morning person than a late night person. And but it's still hard to get up in the morning. And you know, as I was, you know, growing in my own life of prayer, you know, I just kept feeling the need that I needed more and, and more time. And I'm not I don't want to say this in, in any way to make you think that I'm up here. I'm not, you know, I, I'm down with the, with, the, with the beginners in a life of prayer. But I just sensed I needed more time with God. And so I, you know, set time early, but it was so hard for me to get up when, especially in the winter time, when it's so dark. It's just so hard. You know, it's, it's warm in the bed, it's dark, and you just feel like I could just sleep forever. So what I did was I got a lamp timer. And I plugged in a lamp and had it directed right at my face. And I would... <laughs> I don't need it anymore, but I used it for a long time. But I would set it for about 15, 20 minutes before I'd wake up, where I, before I was supposed to get up. And so, you know, this light comes on. Do you know how much easier it is to get up 
when it's light. So I have this light shining and my wife didn't appreciate it so much. <laughs> but she was grateful that I had it. But so I have this light that would shine on me. And what would happen is that I found it much easier because my body would wake up. And then when the time would be to get out of bed, and I would get up. The other thing is, is that never set a snooze button. Never set a snooze button. That's right. That's right. Because if you hit that, I'm telling you, when, you, when you're setting that time for prayer, the Spirit of God is there calling you, but the enemy's right there too. And it's so, it becomes almost habit without even thinking just to go. And so don't set that. Train yourself when the, when the sound comes or it vibrates or whatever, that the first thing is immediate response. Get up. So don't sit there and think, okay, I got to get up. Just train yourself. Boom. Like, you know, like you're raised, being raised from the dead. You know, just get up. And the, the, the body is so incredible how the Lord has designed it that after a while, you won't even need an alarm. You won't need an alarm. I won't say, it's not 100%, but it's probably 90%. I wake up probably three seconds before my alarm goes off. It's just like, it boom. Now when there's time change and all of that, it takes me a little bit to get back on track. But... I mean, it's incredible how the Lord has designed our bodies. Even if I, even at times, you know, if I'm coming from a meeting or, or something like that, and I even get home later, I don't get to bed till late, that time, that morning comes, and it's just the, your body gets into that rhythm. Okay, here's the next pointer. Don't sleep in on Sunday. I'm just telling you. I've tried everything, okay? What happens is you think it's your day off. You sleep in and you don't spend time with the Lord or it's delayed and it messes up your whole next week. Get up, spend time with the Lord if you have to, then go back to bed. I'm serious. Set that time and make it a daily practice. A daily practice. Now, there are times where naturally, if you're sick or those things, I understand that. And there are, are emergencies, but that's what those are. They are emergencies. That's not the habit of the life. The habit of the life is to set that time with God and say, Lord, this is your time. This is my time and help me keep it consistently. And there are times where you'll sleep in. And if you do, get up and go first to that time of prayer. Avoid the temptation to do everything else. Does that make sense? Yes. Amen. Okay, another tip. Prepare your water to drink the night before. Get your two glasses of water, have them ready, 
When I wake up first thing, you know what that does? Immediately it wakes you up. And then it's hard for me to take two glasses of water immediately, but before my devotions are done, I have two glasses. So already, that's the, the devotional life is already helping you have a better health life. <laughs> because it is such a wonderful cleansing thing for your body to wake up and drink that water. And uh, I was looking for my, my brother in here who would drink somewhat. He used to drink, I think it was like four glasses of water in the morning. So I drink two. In the winter time, you know, I'll, I'll make something warm and have it in my thermos. I have, I have my devotional thermos. <laughs> and it keeps my, my stuff warm. And in the morning, I have a nice, warm, warm drink. And it's, it's just a blessing. So prepare the night ahead. Know what also that does? It's reminding you that you're preparing for that time in the morning. Now, the most important thing to meet God in the morning, spend time in prayer before you sleep. It doesn't have to be the hour prayer. It may be, and there may be times where the Lord calls you to spend much time in prayer with Him. But the regular habitual time Spend time in prayer before you go to sleep. Practice kneeling down beside your bed and seeking God in prayer. And then before you finish that prayer, say, Lord, wake me up in the morning. I even pray for the Lord to give me dreams of heaven. And I don't dream a lot, but I love it when the Lord does give me dreams. And it's a blessing. So those things, they'll help you. They'll help you. Have your devotional things set out and ready to go. When you get up, I'm telling you, the the devil will get you from your bed to your place of prayer. You have to have everything ready. So you just come there and you have that time with the Lord in prayer. That makes sense? Psalm 55, 17, evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. I believe it says evening and morning because if you're going to have a morning, you better have your evening. (laughs) Spend that time in the evening. But evening, morning, and at noon, who does that remind you of? Daniel, that's right. Daniel prayed three times a day. Three times. It was a habit. Even when there was crisis upon him, he met that time of prayer. And we need that time of prayer. I want to move along because I, I still got to, we got to do an example here. Mark 135. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. So Christ, it was his habit. Now let me mention, yesterday I said that, you know, we shouldn't be extreme in this. Some some will feel like, well, they meet their time of prayer and all these things and that they only get, you know, four hours of sleep a night. We know that for an adult, a healthy time of sleep is between seven and nine hours. 
I tend to get more on the seven-ish side. <laughs> I wish I could have more on the other side, but it's, an, it's adequate for me. And I can get six hours. If I get five hours for too many days in a row, then my immune system, especially in the wintertime, starts to drop. And then I'll get sick, and then I'm really not going to be able to function for the Lord. So we want to guard our health. So make it to bed. Make it to bed. Set that time. You know, if you're accustomed to watching the news before you go to bed, change the habit. Change that habit. You will praise the Lord for it. You will. Set, set that habit. Get to bed. How many hours of sleep? Seven to nine. But if you go to bed before midnight, it's worth two, right? Sleep is twice as good before midnight as after. So I, try, I personally, I try to get to bed, you know, between 9.30, I mean, not 9.30, 10.30 and 11. And, and if I get to, usually, and the reason why for me is because I usually don't get home until 9.30 or 10. So uh, it's, a pastor's work is a second shift job. <laughs> I mean, so... It's hard to get home early. I mean, sometimes it's, it's very late, but, but that's the work that God has given us to do, and we, we work within what He has given us. But work to have that time. Get to bed, say your prayers, get to bed, and then get up. Now, there are times where you will, God will have you spend more time. He'll put a burden on your heart. You won't be able to sleep, and so you'll roll out of bed onto your knees, and you'll plead with God. And God will make up for those times. He'll refresh you when you could not refresh yourself through natural means. That's the divine power that comes upon those who seek God. But we are not reckless. We want to live according to health principles. So don't, don't be extreme in it. Have a, have a balanced life. But balance that life with the good things, not with the, the things of the world. Luke 5.16, so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. There are times where you will need more time in prayer. There are times where I, I need to just take a couple days and go away and pray. I just, I just need that. And there are times where we need to have those little spiritual retreats. Uh, and we'll talk more about fasting and prayer later, but it's, it's a type of fasting and prayer where we pull ourselves apart and we seek God in a special way. We, we have more devotion to that time of prayer. So just going to give you a couple quick thoughts here, and then we're going to do an example. The ABCs of prayer, you know those? Ask, believe, claim. So we're asking God, we have to believe Him, and then we claim that promise as if He has already done it, according to His will. So those ABCs of prayer, we'll look a little bit more of those, we'll unpack those some tomorrow when we look at making prayer work. And then acts in prayer. Sometimes people, as they're beginning, they're, they're trying to develop a, a pattern in prayer. And this is one that can help. 
uh, you, it's just acts. A is for adoration. Praise God for who He is. C is for confession, admitting our sin and asking for forgiveness. I also, usually me personally, I also add in there confession and consecration. I'm wanting to consecrate my life once again to the Lord. And then thanksgiving, thanking God for His blessings and His wonderful goodness to us. And then supplication bringing our prayers of request to Him. And so that can help as you're, as you're you know, getting into that habit of prayer. But now I want to give, let's do an example in this. And maybe, Mike, can you help me pass these out here? Maybe we can have a helper on this side. Thank you. Oh, I need to give you something else here. Take one of those and one of these. And while they're passing that out, how many of you have the discipleship handbook? How many of you do not have it? This is a wonderful tool to help you in your devotional life. Not only does it have 26 chapters of moving through discipleship, but in the back of it, it has a devotional reading plan. And if you want a powerful prayer life, you need a devotional plan. And so in the back, there's a devotional plan that goes along with the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. And it is very helpful you know what I said about getting everything planned and prepared for the morning? That's what this is. It's, you don't want to come to that morning and think, okay, what should I do this morning? You want to have a plan that you can follow. Where you don't necessarily even have to think about that. You come and you meet God and it's all ready to study. And so if you, if you don't have that... It's at the ABC, and I have one here, and I'll give that to someone if they want to come and ask me for it. <laughs> discipleship Handbook. The Discipleship Handbook. There's yes. A book yes. There's a mentor's guide that goes with it that helps us mentor someone else in their walk with Christ. So, you want to have a plan, you want to be ready for that. And if you have children at home and those things, I encourage you to get them a little basket or a little tub or something and get, get their Bible, their book. If they're little, get them a little, the Bible story books and let them look through and teach them to have a devotional life. Teach, what are we looking for? Oh, we're out. Wow. We even made more than we had yesterday. Wow, you guys are packed in here today. Um, I, I'm trying to think if, I don't know that we can get caught. If you can share this morning, all this is is just a chapter from the Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings. But I just want to go through an example here, and we're running out of time. And I have to finish right on time because you got to go, but also I have to be on the platform. So, <laughs> what was that? Yeah, if, if you, you can get it on your phone as well if you need. So we have someone here. Does anyone else need one? Raise your hand. 
It will not in the time we need, but you need. There's an extra here. Look, we're already learning to live in one accord. <laughs> okay. Thank you. This is just this is thoughts from the Mount of Blessings. This is on page one. It's the it's the introduction in the first chapter. So we're just going to. Oh, we have we have several here. We have several. Everyone got a card? Okay, I want to show you something here. Just an example. So you have your time of prayer. Uh, of, I'm just going to give you an example of this is how I do my devotional life. I'm not saying this is the, the right way or the best way, but it's one way. Okay? Everyone's a little differently, so adjust it to your own armor. But when I, when I come to the time of, of, of prayer, I really think of, even my study, I think of it as, as a time of prayer for me. I want to show you how, how I do that. Because I believe that the devotional experience is different than studying. And I think most have learned to do devotional time as study time. And we, we are studying and we're gaining the knowledge of the Scriptures but maybe we're not gaining a knowledge of Christ at His feet. And so I'm going to show you some things that... And, I, and no one ever showed me, so that's what I'm saying. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I've just grown in it. And, and every year it just becomes richer to me. And we should see that each year, that it's a richer experience. So you have your time... That's set apart. So say that your time is, and just let me say this. I, I would encourage you as you're beginning, if, if you've never had a devotional life before, I would say right from the start, give yourself 15 minutes of devotional study and 15 minutes of prayer. If you have a devotional life and, you, and you're ready to just, Get into it. I would say give yourself half an hour of devotional study and half an hour of prayer. So you'll have a thoughtful hour. If, you, if you're going to start in a small... I, I would rather you start a little bit less and get into the habit of it than try and do so much and, and stop. So, But wherever we are, we always want to be growing in that. So, And for others... You know, an hour of a devotional study and prayer and then an hour of secret prayer. And, and then it goes beyond that. But, so if, if your time, I, I have found that I, I have to wake up before my family. And that's just me. And I just, I love the stillness. And I can hear so much clearer. And so it's very hard, you know, because by the time I'm finishing, you know, the children, they're up, they're moving and that kind of thing. And, and it's just, it's not as rich as it is. So maybe you, maybe you have a place where you can go and that kind of thing. My office in our home is 
our bedroom's right here. I just walk across the hall, <laughs> and mom's there, and then Emma's room is right next to it. So, and we have the only, our, all of our restrooms are upstairs, so the showers and all that, they're right outside. So I can hear all of that. I even have earplugs I put in sometimes. <laughs> uh, just because I don't want to be distracted. And I do help my wife too. I want you to know that. <laughs> I, I try and finish early enough where I can still be of help in the home. But there are times I know that she would like more help. <laughs> okay. We've got to go through this. Okay, so you start with prayer. I usually spend, you know, I wake up, I drink my water, I'm at my place of study, and I ask for the Lord's, well, I thank the Lord for the rest. I, it's a short prayer, you know, a couple minutes. I ask the Lord to bless me in my devotional time. But I don't really stop praying. That's what, this is what I want to impress. My whole time in devotion is a prayer. And I want to show you how that can be whether it's the scriptures or reading the spirit of prophecy. So in the devotional plan that I use, and that's in the discipleship handbook and that kind of thing, it has the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. I adjust mine even a little bit from that um, because I like to read. Uh, we won't go into that right now, but I, I, I like to add other things, you know, because I'm a minister, so I spend time in gospel workers and pastoral ministry and I just kind of cycle those books through. I have testimonies to minister, so I add other things in there for, for me personally. But my staple diet is the spirit of prophecy reading that goes along with Scripture. Now, this is where I want to strongly encourage you. Spend your devotional time in inspired writings. We have even some wonderful Adventist authors that have devotions and those kinds of things. I don't use those for my personal devotion. I, we use them sometimes for family devotions or those kinds of things, and they're wonderful. But in my time with God, I need divinely inspired writings. So I, I, I don't even think to go to something else. I want to be in the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. And I need that. I need, I need to know that God is speaking to me and not someone else. Would you go like to Luther or if it's in the Great Controversy? I I don't. I would do that in my study, but not in my devotional time. That's just me personally. And so just say that you went in your Bibles and I wouldn't recommend this for devotional time, but say I just opened to Acts chapter nine. This is how I would begin to read the scriptures. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus. So that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So I'm not reading it necessarily just to understand the story. I'm reading it devotionally. So I, I'm praying to the Lord. I'm saying, Lord, I don't want to breathe threat. I don't want to be a hindrance to your work. Lord, help me to have an influence that is not a 
a thorn in the cause of Christ, but a blessing to the cause of Christ. So as I'm, as I'm reading through Scripture, I'm, it's a prayer of my heart to God. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Lord, let a light shine around me. I want that, Lord. Can you see how you can read the Scriptures in a devotional way, and it just comes alive to you as a prayer to God? It's different than a time of study. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? If you read that devotionally, what would you be thinking to the Lord? What would you be praying to him? Speak to me. Yeah, right. Lord, I, I don't want to be, I want to be a blessing to Christ. I don't want to be someone that's fighting against him. Lord, help me to always be with my face on the ground before you. And as I read through that, I'm going to pick out a gem from Scripture. And I'm going to write it on my card. So if I'm looking at that just right there, what's something? And it's not a paragraph, it's just, it's just a sentence. I boil it down to, a, to a, a principle that I can use. So what is something that you could write from that that we just talked about? Someone just say it. Okay, Lord, help me be on my knees on the ground before you. So you could write that. You know what spoke to me especially in that is, Lord, I want to be a blessing to the cause of Christ. So I would write that. I want to be a blessing to the cause of Christ. And I'm writing that down. That's kind of how I do that in Scripture. And I don't write sermons in my devotional time. But I'll tell you, most of my sermons come out of my devotional time. Because it's, it's not just reading the scriptures it's immersing yourself in the scriptures and letting God speak to you through them and then what I do with these points and we'll, I'll give you an example in this one too is I meditate on them there is a there's a there's so much false devotional focus out in the world through contemplative prayer this centering prayer, trying to empty your mind of all thoughts. No, I don't want to empty my mind of all thoughts. I want to fill my mind with all thoughts of heaven. But these are things I'm meditating on, thinking, Lord, how do you want me to be a blessing to your cause? I'm not talking about just future. I'm talking about today. I told you yesterday that, you know, prayer in my own daily prayer life, the reason why God answers most of my prayers the same day is because I'm praying for the things of that day. I don't have tomorrow promised. I want to see God move in my life today. Of course there are things I'm praying about ahead, but I want a present blessing. I want a present blessing. And the Lord is giving those to me. As I'm writing those down, and I'm meditating on them, I'm 
thinking about them. You know, we think of it was Isaac when, uh, what's his name, Eleazar went to go find his wife. And he was praying God divinely led him to that. But when they're coming back, what was Isaac doing? He was out in the field praying, but the Bible says he was meditating. He was sitting there just letting his mind be captured by the glories of heaven. And that's what these are. We, we are so fast-paced. We, we pull and we run. But this slows us down. And not only are we praying to God, but then it allows God to speak to us. So it's not a one-way conversation. And God is speaking to us in this. You're praying, Lord, help me to glean what you need me to glean for this day. Okay, let's go, let's go to this. The thoughts for amount of blessings. It's similar when you come to the uh, writings of the Spirit of Prophecy. Let's see here. Well, let's just start here. The Sermon on the Mount is heaven's benediction to the world. I'll have highlighters. Now, people mark their Bibles and all of that, and, and that's wonderful. I'm, when I change the color of my Bibles, because I'm bored of blue or bored of red. <laughs> so, um, but others chain mark and those things, and that's fantastic as well. When it comes to his writings, I, if I'm highlighting. As I'm going through, I'm highlighting those things that jump out at me. And then I'm not, I'm not writing them on my card yet. I finish that, and then I go through and I <coughs> glean only one or two points. Because I can't, I mean, I can be blessed by all of them, but when I am meditating, going through the day, I can't remember them all. So I choose a few that I want the Lord to ingrain upon my heart. And so I'm just going through. So let's, let's do this. The Sermon on the Mount is heaven's benediction to the world. A voice from the throne of God. Isn't that powerful? Saying, Lord, I want to hear your voice from your very throne this morning. It was given to mankind to be to them the law of duty and the light of heaven. Their hope and consolation and despondency, their joy and comfort in all the vicissitudes and walks of life. What are we doing there? We're praising God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being that to me. Hear the prince of preachers. That jump out at me as a preacher. Lord, help me to always keep my eye on the prince of preachers. The master teacher utters the words that the father gave him to speak. Now that jumps out at me. Lord, give me words to speak. Promise for you. Isaiah 50 verse 4. Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word and season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He wakes my ear to hear as the learned. The reason why you can have a tongue of the learned is because you've awoken in the morning and have an ear to hear what the Lord is saying. That's how we have a word in season. It's from the Lord. The Beatitudes are Christ's greeting not only to those who believe, but to the whole human family. Oh, how the Lord loves us. He loves us. What does the Bible say? While we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. Hallelujah. Amen. Say, Lord, I was once one of those, but the grace of God called me. Praise Him for it. He seems to have forgotten for a moment that He is in the world. Isn't that a gem? Christ is on the, on the Mount of the Beatitudes, and He is enraptured as He looks about the people that are coming to hear. You know, I imagine Him thinking when He is going to be in the kingdom of heaven to share the truths of heaven with His people. And for a moment, Christ... He forgets that he's in the world. Isn't that incredible? Amen. So what am I thinking? Lord, as I'm at the feet of Jesus, take me out of this world. <laughs> oh, I'm just a pilgrim passing through. Oh, the Lord is so good to us. He seems to have forgotten that he is in the world and not in heaven. He thinks I'm in the heavenly places. And he uses the familiar salutation of the world of light. What does that mean? Yeah, what is a salutation? It's a greeting. So when Christ comes and gives the Beatitudes, he, the, she says he uses the familiar salutation of the world of light. So in the world of light, we are the blessed. Blessed are you. That's, that is the familiar uh, salutation in heaven that as we are given to the will and glory of God that we are blessed. We are those who walk in the heavenly places. So in heaven, everyone, they're going around and they're all the blessed ones. They're all, how is another translation of blessed? Happy. Happy are you. Oh, isn't that wonderful? What's the other salutation of heaven? Rejoice. Rejoice. Who said that? Yes, rejoice. That's the other salutation of heaven. Rejoice and peace be to you. Isn't that wonderful? We only know that because God gave us divinely inspired writings. Isn't that a wonderful gem? And then blessings flow from his lips as the gushing forth of a long-sealed current of rich life. Oh, Lord, let my mouth today be a blessing to others. Let my lips gush forth with those blessings to the lives of others. So you're highlighting these. Now, if I had another hour, we'd go through the whole thing. Can you see how rich that is? I mean, we only went through two paragraphs. We went through just a couple verses. And they, it's a treasure mine. I mean, it is a treasure that we can glean. So what could you glean from this? What is something that you would write down just from those two paragraphs? If, if that was the extent of it. Yes. I would feel like I was, I was forgetting that I was in the world. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So you would think of a way to write that down as a strength for you that day. Or if, if it was, you know, that, Lord, let my lips gush forth with blessings to others. Or, Lord, as I 
spent time with you this morning, you brought me into the heavenly places. I forgot for a moment that I was in the trial and darkness of this world below. What, what did you get? It, it said that the very beginning of that paragraph, the Beatitudes are Christ's greeting. That's right. Amen. 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 And as you, as you read devotionally like that, you, your experience is going to be trans... I mean, it's going to be... It's, every morning is going to be an exciting treasure hunt for the Lord to speak to you. And you write those down. Now, the parallel to this is in... I didn't print it out, but in Desire of Ages, the Sermon on the Mount. And I gleaned something there that has been such a treasure to me. And... It's so simple. When Jesus came and he called everyone, she says the disciples knew that their place was always next to Jesus. The people constantly pressed upon him, yet the disciples understood that they were not to be crowded away from his presence. You better believe I underlined and highlighted that and wrote it down. Lord, let nothing crowd me out of your presence. You take those. I mean, you've gleaned treasures. You have something richer than all the gold in the world. You have it with you. Now, some do that in a journal, and, and I do have a little journal that I write my extraordinary experiences in. But this is my daily treasure. You have those treasures, and you have them with you throughout the day. You know, when it comes to the time of noon and you want to lift your heart in prayer to God, you just bring them out and you just meditate on them. You come to someone and the Lord's going to direct you to people that you that was not just for you, but that was for them. You come with someone and, and you pull them aside and let's pray together. And the Lord has given you divine content for your prayer for that person. I mean, it's just incredible. But you have these. And then with your heart overflowing with the goodness and treasure of heaven, go to your knees and pour out your heart to God. You're praying for your family. You're praying for your church. You're praying for the Lord's work here in Michigan. You're praying for those who are sick. You're praying for the thorns in your own flesh. You're thanking God for His goodness. But then every day you're pleading with God for those treasures to be seen in your life. You'll never have a repetitious prayer. You'll always have fresh gems of heaven to pray to God for God to do in your life. I'm telling you, it will transform your life by always having a treasure from heaven. Amen? Amen. Isn't that fantastic? I keep a lot of them. Some of them the Lord just gave me for that day. I, someone else asked me that. I said, maybe I should have done this a long time ago. Just start stacking. I mean, one a day, that's 365 a year. You could just start making little volumes. Just rubber band them and stick them on your shelf. It doesn't take that much space. I didn't use a card this morning because I didn't want to, I didn't know if I'd have enough. So... But I want to share with you what I pulled this morning, and then I got to close in prayer. I mean, this to me just, 
It's just amazing how the Lord gives you something for that day. Here we are at camp meeting. All the busyness, all the hustle and bustle and all these things. And I thought, Lord, you gave this to me. In marked contrast to the teachers of his day was a Savior to conduct himself among men. He was supposed to be different. But this is what I highlighted. In his life, no noisy disputation. No ostentatious worship. No act to gain applause was ever to be witnessed. Isn't that a treasure? This is from Prophets and Kings, page 693. Isn't that a treasure? And I will meditate that on that today and also those things we gleaned this morning. Well, we have to close... Tomorrow, we're going to look at making prayer work. You don't want to miss tomorrow. And then Thursday, fervent prayer. I hope today was a blessing to you, and I'd like to close with prayer as we conclude. Oh, Father in heaven, thank you for the treasure of your word. Lord, I pray that as we see such treasure, we will say, let nothing keep me from mining that treasure. That we will take time to pray that we will take time not just because we, we want to see the world turned upside down, but we want our own lives turned upside down for you. That you may use us to turn the world upside down. Lord, thank you for the blessing of Christ. Thank you for that salutation that we read that draws us into the heavenly places. That we can be a people who are not of this world, but of another world. Lord, I pray that this morning and through this day that You will use our lips for Your glory. That from our mouths may may gush those blessings of heaven. That we will be a blessing to everyone we come into contact with today. Lord, may we not be like everyone. May we be like Jesus. May we not seek applause. May we not have a form of godliness without a power of it. Bless each one for being here today, Lord. And I pray that every single one of us will find that time to meet you. We pray in Jesus' name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.